Well, we are having a communion service today. Um, thank you so much to everybody that has made that possible. Thank you very much. Because it's very precious to be able to take communion. Many can't do it at this time. So I'm just going to have a few uh, words of message on the text that Kate read. Um, it's a lovely passage this time of year. For Christians is a great time of year, especially when we think about the Lord and uh, remember the good news and remember about faith and, and hope and love and that those are the most important things. But it's good news in the story that Kate read because it was good news about the announcement of a baby boy about to be born. And that's always good news, isn't it? When that message comes through, uh, a child is to be born. And uh, it's a happy event. And, and people announce it in various ways. I looked on the internet and, uh, you know, you, you, if a child is, is told by uh, their parents, a new baby is on the way, then the child says proudly, I'm going to be a big sister. I'm going to be a, a big brother. And if you want to lift your spirits, then just browse through the internet ideas for baby announcements. Congratulations, a great new miracle to call your own. It's great. But in all the history of the human race, in all the many happy announcements that must have been shared down the years, there has been no more important announcements than we read about in Luke's Gospel. The birth of John the Baptist and the birth of Jesus Christ. And when Luke tells us this wonderful story, he puts them side by side. So you have, in both cases, the angel Gabriel uh, is sent to announce the good news that the baby boy is about to be born. And in both cases, you note, the hearers, when they are faced with this news from Gabriel, are terrified. And in both cases, they are told, this baby boy is going to do great things for God. So Luke sets out the story, uh, and I just wonder, just pause for a moment. You don't have to shout out, but think in your mind. Can you think of other announcements of births in the Bible? Just think about it for a moment. The first announcement of a really important birth goes way, way back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 50. It's the announcement that one day there will be good news for mankind. One day there will be a future birth when a child would be born to a woman, and when he grew to be a man, he would crush the head of the old serpent. That was the first promise, the first foretelling that a Messiah, it didn't mention the name of Jesus then, but later we know that his name was to be called Jesus, Jesus was to be, a, there was going to come a victorious saviour that would save mankind from sin. Right from the dawn of time was the first birth announcement. But do you remember when Abraham was visited by an angel of the Lord? And he was told that his aged and barren wife, Sarah, would give birth to a baby boy? I mean, that was right early on as well, wasn't it? Or Rebecca, 
She was married to Isaac, but she was so sad because she could not have children. And then it was prophesied she would have twins. And you know, of course, that was Jacob and Esau. Rachel, she was barren until the Lord gave her graciously a baby boy who would become Joseph, who was to be used mightily by God to save the children of Israel from Egypt's captivity. And you know one of the stories I like best of all? Hannah. Hannah was in that church and she was sobbing because she wanted to have a child. And she cried to the Lord and after that prayer, she was no longer uh, a barren woman. Later she gave birth to Samuel, who was the greatest of the prophets. And I put a quote down in her prayer of thankfulness. This is what she said. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one beside you, she says. There is no rock like our God. This is a woman's heart singing praise. Lord, there's no one like you. And friends, it's true, there is no one like God. Because there's a wonderful history throughout the Bible of God visiting his people. Of God causing miracle children to be born from barren wombs. I cannot miss Isaiah's quote. For, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. What an announcement of a birth to come. That was many years before Jesus came. But the point is that mankind, without God's help, cannot even produce a natural child from a natural birth. God has to be involved because every child, every time you hear, I don't know if you've had the privilege of being, some of you would definitely be your birth because you gave birth, but there are fathers there who saw the child and in that room is a feeling of a miracle that's happened. Even if it's your second or third, it's a miracle. But you know, it makes me think this. The second spiritual birth is even more amazing and more wonderful than the natural birth because the second birth is so necessary to eternal life. Jesus said it's vital. He said this, you should not be surprised at, the, at, at my saying you must be born again. So there's the natural birth, which is a miracle, but there's the spiritual second birth, which we almost, almost go through, which is also a wonderful miracle. <clears throat> but back to the Christmas story that Kate um, just read. It's very easy to skip over the story of John the Baptist because like, you're hurrying on to Jesus in Bethlehem. And so it's easy to sort of move on. But Luke chapter 1 <coughs> Verse 15 says, John the Baptist would be great. And Jesus, a bit later in chapter 7, says, I tell you, among those born of woman, there is no one greater than John. So John is to be the herald, the forerunner of the Messiah Jesus. And he is great, the Bible says. But quite rightly, in John chapter 3, 
John says of himself, I am not the Christ, but I am sent ahead of him. He must become greater and I must become less. Because John knew the very vital role that God had given to him in God's salvation plan. He knew his role. And Luke is <clears throat> almost saying at the start of Luke's Gospel, slow down, slow down and let me tell you this story about two elderly people who were sad. Zechariah and Elizabeth. She was sad because she could not have children and she was now too old to have children. And she had no prospect of having a child ever. And back in the day, in Israel, if you were a barren woman, it was seen as a, 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 a displeasure from God. It was a sign, they thought, that God was displeased with you. But that wasn't true. That was not God's feeling. But people like to make their own little theological, you know, ideas to try and explain things. It's a terrible burden not to have children. And to say that God is displeased is adding insult to injury. But God was not displeased. You look at verse 6 of chapter 1. It says of this elderly couple, both of them were upright in the sight of God, both observed God's commandments and regulations. It says both were blameless. That's God's verdict. Blameless. They were godly people. But they clearly were not just an average couple because it also says that he was a priest and his wife, Elizabeth, was descended from the line of Aaron. Which means that this couple both came from the tribe of Levi. And of course the tribe of Levi was that tribe which God said the priestly caste would come from. So they were special in that way. And when we meet Zechariah in the story that Kate just read, he's in the temple and he's, uh, when his division of priests um, were, were, were called, he was on duty. Now, when you check the facts, there were 18,000 priests in Israel about that at this time. They were from different parts of the country. And every so often they would be chosen to come into Jerusalem, where the temple was, for a week to work in the temple. Twice a year. But every day it was necessary for a priest to go into the holy place and offer incense. And because there were so many of them, the only way to do it fairly was to draw lot. So a lot was drawn... And the name that came out, that person had permission to go into the sanctuary and offer incense. So, and it only happened once in a lifetime for any one priest, because once you'd served in that way, you could never do it again. It's once in a lifetime. So for Zechariah in this story, he was at the pinnacle of what he could ever wish for as a priest. The lot has been drawn, my name has come up, and I'm going in. The time of the incense. Do you know why the incense was being burnt? It was burnt as a way of saying the prayers of the people are being offered up to God. And as he was in that inner sanctuary, the priests outside were praying. 
We don't know exactly what they prayed, but some think that the prayer that Zechariah may have prayed may have been along these lines. May the most merciful God enter the holy place and accept with favour the prayers and the offerings of his people. He's asking effectively, Lord God, please come and redeem the nation of Israel. Please fulfil your promises. Bring peace and mercy and favour and take us from this captivity. And then the incense rises up and people can see it coming out and they know their prayers are going up. And God is answering those prayers through Elizabeth and Zechariah. They are part of the process of his great plan of salvation. The day spring is arising. The predicted birth of John the Baptist. He is the promised herald of the Messiah. This is God's great and cosmic plan coming to fruition. The plan of redemption for all mankind. Everything has been prepared way, way back in the deep counsels of God. And he is about to make known the mystery of his will. But it has to proceed at the right pace, at the right time. At just the right time, Christ must come. But the herald must come first. And where is the herald going to come from? From this aged, old, sad couple. What a story. As I say, this time at Christmas is a wonderful time because it's a story of how God comes into the life of two sad people and he puts his plan of salvation into effect through who? Through an elderly couple. He could have done it through a young, virile, strong couple, but he does it with an elderly couple who are sad. And this, to me, shows God's great care and love for his people. And I want us to think just for a moment as we come draw to a close. This shows that in the small things of life, God humbles himself to enter in. God has tender pity and compassion for those who are feeling the burden and the sadness and the heaviness and the sorrow in life. God's kindness visits as we see in this story. And we should take comfort from this little story at the start of Luke's Gospel. Because it says to us, you can be certain that your Heavenly Father (coughs) knows all about everything that's troubling you at this moment. He knows all about the troubles that come. Just as he knew about Zechariah and Elizabeth's concerns, he knows everything about you. Because you are special to him also. The world may not know what goes on in your heart and my heart. The world may not know what burdens you at this time. But God knows. And if there's one message I would like us all to take from this story, it's this. You can know for sure, based on a story like this, that your Father knows everything that's going on in your heart. And He cares for you. And God has placed this story at the very start of Luke's Gospel. And it's a way of God saying, yes, I am in charge of the cosmos. I have a plan of salvation for the whole of mankind. And it will come to pass. But it's also a story of an elderly couple. Because God is able to do massive things and small things. 
macro things and micro things because he has complete control. It's a lovely story. And I think it's also very interesting about the, the fact that the lot was drawn, that Zechariah should come and serve at that time. Do you see that a lot is by chance? I don't know, did they put their hand in a hat or what? I don't know. But when they came out, that was Zechariah's name. But God had ordained. It says in, <coughs> in Proverbs 16, the lot is cast into the lap, but every decision is from the Lord. Chance was directed by God. God is in control of everything. There's nothing that happens to you that God does not know about. And God arranged for Zechariah to be in the temple at just the right time to meet that angel and to hear the message. Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you are to give him the name John. And he will be a joy and a delight to you and many will rejoice because of his birth. This is the story that Luke is telling us, that God is in control. He works his purpose out. God knows exactly what he's doing in the macro and the micro. The plan of salvation is, to, is, is, is for individual concerns. God knows you by name. He knows me by name. And we should know this and carry this in our hearts because it gives us confidence. <clears throat> especially at this time in the world's history, especially in this time of global pandemic, this, this brutal, battering pandemic year when the world seems gripped in the depths of a dreadful winter, the crises seem to come one after the other. The knock-on effect keeps going. Do you know on the cover of Time magazine this week I received, it had a picture, 2020, and a line through it. The caption, the worst year ever. Confidence is at an all-time low in the world. But this story of the announcement of the birth of John reminds us that we can have confidence to know that God understands everything. <clears throat> 2020 is not crossed out. He is still working in his sovereign ways. And he does not look at our situation from a detached, disinterested viewpoint. This story reminds us that God loves us. He cares for us. He knows our individual thoughts and it reminds us that he knows every single one of his people and knows us by name. This is indeed the story of God's love. So take comfort. Take comfort. Psalm 139 I read earlier, these are the words. Before the word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. So in your prayers, as you ask God to help you to keep strong in your faith in this especially difficult time, remember the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth. God knew their needs, God knew, knows your needs, and you are precious to him. Perhaps next week I may complete this passage. But before communion, let's just take a moment to pray. Our Heavenly Father, we praise you and we bless you for these wonderful truths that we have found in Luke chapter 1. Thank you for such a familiar 
Christmas story that reminds us that you are a God of awesome and infinite majesty, sovereignty and power. You are the God who planned our salvation from all eternity, and you are sovereign over all the details, all the various parts, and you do make sure that everything comes to pass just at the right time. And Lord, when we realize this, we take comfort that you had everything worked out in eternity and nothing was rushed. And you, you, you ensure that John the Baptist's birth came at just the right time and you arranged for the, the lot to be cast in order that Zechariah could become a priest serving in the temple and he could be visited by Gabriel. And then he could be given that wonderful news. Thank you, Father. Thank you for sending Gabriel on that special day. Thank you for giving Zechariah such wonderful news. And thank you that John was to be the herald and forerunner of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. You had his birth planned and he was chosen before the creation of the world. You predestined him to be the herald of Jesus Christ. Everything was done in accordance with your good pleasure. And we see from this, Lord, that you are all wise and all loving, all caring and tender because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven. Lord, thank you. You know all about our troubles and sorrows right now. And you not only care about them, but you, you act to alleviate them. And you draw alongside us and you say to us, cast your burdens upon me because I care for you. And just as you saw the tears shed by Zechariah and Elizabeth and you understood their deep sadness they had carried for many years, so Lord, by this, show us that you care about our deep and innermost concerns. That Lord, there is nothing beneath you, there's nothing too small because you are indeed God of love. Nothing is too big for you to deal with and nothing is too small for you to care about. Nothing is beneath your notice. Therefore, Lord, we can confidently cast our cares upon you because you care for us. And Lord, whatever we're facing up ahead, whether it's health issues, concerns about our children, our wider family, our jobs, whatever, Lord, help us to take comfort from this passage that you are in control and you are working all things together for the good of your people. Thank you, Lord. We ask all this and give you thanks in the name of our Saviour, Jesus Christ.